Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We've got to stop them. They're going to kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. Time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the game to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Radio. We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyal? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given rights, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Free Association. Uh, it's going to be a, an improvised show today because I haven't had time to do very much. I've been a bit occupied, so I'm going to make this up as I go along. And hopefully it should be fine, and uh, it'll be fun anyway. If, not, if nothing else, it's an hour of uh, randomness. So I'm I'm at Newcastle Central Station in my usual spot. I'm I've almost taken root in this spot. I normally go to the same table every single week, and. Uh, it's good because once I get used to it, I can forget about that. It's, uh... Hi, Mitzi. We've got people in the chat room today, so I'll say hello to everybody in the chat room. 
We've got Mitzi, Mist, 139, Captain Fred, Bernier's Sauce, uh, and Popsicle Tours at the moment. So, what am I talking about? Let's let's talk about uh, what I want to talk about. Yesterday, let's start with yesterday. That's as good a way to do it as any, and uh, and work forward from there. So, or even last week. Let's just start with last week. Uh, so I've been uh, I've been occupied with looking for audio equipment and uh, eventually I got to the point last week where I ordered a, a Rodecaster Pro 2 uh, which is a, a gadget yeah it's a railway station uh, I'm at the Newcastle Central Station uh, I'm, at, well, I'm sitting in a cafe at Newcastle Central Station. So I, I spent a couple of weeks, yeah, watching, uh, watching videos and trying to get my head around how to use a, a piece of kit that I've never really seen before. And I'm not a techie at all. I can get by, but um, uh, it takes me. I normally allow half an hour for things to go wrong before I go on air. So uh, and I didn't need that at all today. And I've been I've been leaving everything plugged in to all the places that work that it works. But I need to start color coding everything so that I know what goes in what USB socket and how, how all that works. Anyway, but uh, the Roadcaster Pro. Hi, Jeff. Good to see you. Um, yeah, the Roadcaster Pro is all colour coded, so I'm going to have to buy USB, colour coded USB cables and all that stuff to keep everything coordinated. It's going to be a bit uh, multi-coloured, but at least I'll know what, what wire goes into what USB slot or whatever. So I'm going to work it all out as I go along. So at some point it'll be a bit of a dog's breakfast, but at the moment it's still in the box. I literally collected it about two hours ago, so that's a, that's a saga as well. So I ordered I ordered a Rodecaster Pro, a microphone, and a microphone stand and a, a microphone cable. So I've got en enough kit to do a solo show. If I'm if I'm going to have guests and and record stuff, I'll need to buy another microphone. I think probably, but I can get away with it for the time being with solo stuff. And uh, so I ordered this stuff, I think on Wednesday, either Tuesday or Wednesday last week, from, from a place called Guitar Guitar, which is a shop in Newcastle, but I did it online. And because I've had, I've had problems with people delivering stuff, so DPD, uh, large delivery company, doesn't seem to want to deliver things for me, so um, I decided with this particular order that I would that would collect it from the shop so it's three four days and then it, it's a click and collect thing you do you order it online and then go into the shop and collect it so that takes away the possibility that it won't get delivered and it, uh, it and it, the shop's only literally five minutes walk away from where I live so it's easy 
who spirituality in the easy. So they were, they were meant to send me a text message or ring me or whatever yesterday. That didn't happen. But I'm not too worried about that because I knew it was there. And I couldn't go yesterday because I was, I was protesting against tyranny on the Tyne Bridge yesterday afternoon when I would have been collecting the Roadcaster Pro. So, so it didn't happen yesterday. Um, so this morning I went for some breakfast and then I went down to Guitar Guitar to collect a mic, a mic stand, a cable and the Roadcaster Pro, this kit, piece of kit. It's, it's a box basically. It's a plastic box with some buttons on it is what it comes down to with some, with some tech in there that does some magic. So I don't have to think about it, it just, it just happens. I plug everything in and I press buttons and it happens and that's the way I like it. That's the way I want it to be. So, so I got there about 10 o'clock and spoke to the guy in the shop and the warehouse had sent out the wrong thing. They'd sent out an earlier model. So I couldn't, couldn't take it home at 10 o'clock. So in theory, I could have been doing a show with a completely new set of kit this afternoon. But uh, as it turns out, uh, I had to go back to the shop later in the day. So I went up about two o'clock this afternoon. No, actually it might have been a bit earlier than that, one o'clock to collect it. And um, I haven't, I've, I've kind of had a look in the box, but I haven't, I haven't opened anything. And I'm just, I'm gonna let it sit there overnight. And then I'm gonna, I'm going to go to stand in the park tomorrow morning from 10 o'clock until 12 and uh, and after 12 I'll be back at home I'll have a whole day and I'll set it all up and play with it and get it working and I've been thinking about live streams as well this week so I've been I decided I was going to do live streams every day on Rumble which um, I managed four out of five well Monday to Friday I'm talking about so I managed Monday to Thursday, just a 20 minute live stream, nothing, nothing complicated really. Um, so I've done four out of five and I'll do the same thing next week. I'll do, I'll aim for five and see how I get on. If I, can, if I end up doing four out of five days during the week, then that's all right. Um, and there's a, there's kind of a business model with Rumble. So Rumble and, and locals are kind of coordinated together. So you can you can do you can set up a community on locals, and you get five live streams a month, five half an hour live streams a month um, for for the community for the supporters. It's like a you pay two dollars a month or whatever to support whoever and uh, you get access to these live streams. So it's kind of got a business model associated with it. So I thought that was interesting. And I know there's people there because I've been getting, I've been getting views on the videos. Yeah, I'm just gonna have a look at the, um, at the Rumble channel now and share a link for that. If I'd been coordinated, I would have already had these copied and pasted somewhere. So that I didn't have to go looking live, but it is where it is. Uh, 
guys. So I'll do the link for that one. So. All right, so this is the link for the last video that I did on on Bumble, which was a couple of days ago. And you can you can subscribe to the channel there. Uh, if anybody wants to subscribe, I'll be grateful for, for people over there. I think there's four four people subscribed at the moment, so it's, uh, it's building up slowly. But I keep moving around. I, w I was working on Odyssey for a while, doing live streams there, but Rumble's a lot easier. It's easier to set up, and it's 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 just it's more user friendly. Odyssey's all right, but it's. Rumble's a bit more user-friendly. I've been trying to get set up on brand YouTube as well. Uh, I've got the channel set up, but I, I can't get the live stream to work there. Just can't get it to work. So I'm letting that go for the time being. I'm going to focus on Rumble, see if I can build up a community over there. And uh, there's a few people already got things set up. The Duran are based over there. They, they use Rumble and Locals. I'll find the locals community as well, but you can find it from from the channel on Rumbles as a, as I think to subscribe. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link in there as well. I've really just been I've been busy with kind of tech and planning stuff. Oh, have I lost? Have I lost me internet connection? What's going on? Strange, strangeness going on. So, Snipe would have dropped if I'd lost it, I think. So, I must still be on. So, well, let me see if I can find this Logos channel. I'll just put me in there when I don't need one. There we go. So I'll post this in the chat room as well. So I've really just been I've been planning my my route to world domination. That's really what I've been doing this week. I haven't really done much else. So I'm kind of sorted with the live streaming side of things for the moment with Rumble, and I'll I was debating whether to whether to live stream the radio show. Because I've got half an hour, half an hour a week, effectively, I've got over there. For live streams, so I could live stream the first half of the radio show. When it's just me, me doing a monologue or me talking or whatever. And it would, it would sit in the community over there and that might be an easy way for people to find it. So I've, uh, I've been talking to the people that stand in the park and they, they, uh, they don't do podcasts, these people. Some, some of them don't do podcasts, at least. So I'm trying to find an, an easy, non-technical way to let people get my content as much as possible. So let's do this Locals thing and share that. The easiest way to do it is just go to, go to that Rumble link 
and join from there if you want to join. You can join for free, you don't have to pay a subscription, but if you want to, you can. It's all good. Either way, I'm happy. And if I can get this working, then potentially it's a, it's a little bit of a business model. I mean, I'm not expecting to make a fortune out of it, but it'll cover, cover some of the costs of the equipment I've just bought, if nothing else. And uh, it's just interesting. It's like the... And plus I know... I know Rumble and Podbean, which is the other podcasting service that I use, both run on the same technology platform behind the scenes. I discovered that recently. Um, Agora.io is, is the platform that they use, and it seems like they're just they're, they're rebranding it and obviously putting a different user interface in and adapting it to their own needs but it's the same tech behind the scenes I think so it's interesting that I've gravitated towards that technology platform without even realizing it but I, and I like Podbean Podbean's been good to me it's a good community it's not not as not as kind of active as it used to be a year ago but I'm assuming it goes through phases and just goes up and down. Everything's quiet and down for the summer anyway at the moment. So I'm gonna have a quick look at uh, a bit shoot and play a couple of clips because I found a couple of things that were worth playing. And I'll start with GB News I think. Well, let me screen share first of all. Let me do this properly this week. I've got plenty of time, and I'm not, I'm not rushing anything. So let's do it properly. the possibility of technical issues here. Now folks, the march towards ever more extreme net zero targets. Is that finally coming to an end? I think it might be. For years now, British politics has been greener than Kermit the Frog. Governments of red and blue have appeased green vested interests Greta Thunbergs, the painfully middle-class eco-terrorists, and have all had an eagerness to outspend each other on their new eco-friendly pet projects. But are we now ready to say enough is enough? Has the green utopianism finally run up against economic reality? Has this generation-defining cost-of-living crisis brought the eco-loons in government back down to planet Earth? Or are we destined to turn seasick green each time we open our energy bill estimates? Will that, folks, become the norm? This week, one of the most powerful men in the country, who you've not, maybe never heard of, you've never, certainly never voted for him, he published a report which could affect your life for decades to come. Lord Debon, the government's supposedly independent climate advisor, 
who has a huge influence over how the UK reaches its ambitious net zero target, or net stupid in my opinion, he published his annual committee of climate change report. Now often, the government basically rolls over and asks Lord Devon to rub their belly. They accept the recommendations without question. But this time, a minister, Greg Hans, he hit back at some of Devon's comments and defended the government's approach and record of cutting down on coal. Now, let's get some perspective here, right? The UK is seeking what amounts to the immiseration of the working class, a prescription that will ultimately lead us to be colder and poorer. Everyone from the Treasury to the extreme green activists, they admit that. And the UK's targets can only impact a mere 1%, 1% of global CO2 emissions. Do you think President Xi of China will be bankrupt in his nation in order to appease the green lobby? China accounts for nearly a third of global emissions. In fact, it emits more greenhouse gas than the entire developed world combined. And you see, if we were to meet the government's net zero target, or again, that net stupid target, we have to use technologies like wind and solar to get there. Without some new technology coming galloping down the hill like a knight on a valiant steed, we simply cannot get there without decimating the economy, decimating our lives, and seriously rationing our energy usage. If you think popping to your local supermarket to fill up your tanks pretty tough right now, you just wait. The reality is that we need fossil fuels and will need fossil fuels for decades to come. Renewables are unreliable. The wind doesn't always blow. Battery technology is poor and nuclear takes years to come online. We'll still need coal in industry for steel production and we still need CO2 emitting cement, for example, for the construction of those great big wind turbines. What do you think builds them, right? These great big infrastructures, whopping great big things. So why don't we, I think it's common sense, source these essentials here at home, not from nations with lower environmental standards like Russia. There's absolutely no way around this reality other, frankly, than cutting down on power use, cutting down on construction and massively reducing the progress we make as humans, human flourishing, say goodbye and increasing poverty and suffering in the UK and around the world. Now, all across Europe, nations are turning towards coal and gas to ease the crippling energy crisis, which is frankly choking the economies of Europe throughout the continent, threatening to destroy growth and industry, and as I say, increase poverty. And meanwhile, the ban on fracking in the UK could be lifted within days. Happy days, I say. The Mail reported this week of a scientific review by the British Geological Survey finds that the risk of earth tremors can be minimised, then the only alternative is more of the net zero emergency if we don't actually seek these measures and an exacerbation of the cost of living crisis that we've started to get a snapshot of. This is just a snapshot of what's to come. And I agree with the 
Lord Frost, the former Brexit minister, who wrote this week, I don't like poverty, I don't like artificial limits on human aspiration and potential, and when you don't have enough energy, you get a lot of both. That's why we need to change tack now. A man after my own heart, I tell you that much. He's right. And as the recent Australian elections have taught us folks, when a Conservative government attempts to out-green the Greens, the public just wonder, why don't I just vote for the real thing? There you go. That was, that was Darren Grimes on UK News. He's a, a guy from, from the northeast somewhere. I don't know him, but uh, he's found himself on GB News and he's got a, a good delivery, of, a, a good delivery style. So, right. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of, of nuclear power. It has to be said. I'm, uh, I'm a bit of an anti-nuclear man, but I don't think we've got a choice just at the moment uh, because. Uh, Obviously, the coal situation is a bit uh, a bit strange. All of the mines were all all closed in the in the late eighties, on the seventies and the eighties. So we'd become reliant on on at the at the time North Sea gas and North Sea oil. But now the oil's in the North Sea is not viable, or it's getting less viable. Then we have to find another source. So we. The, the UK has been uh, been relying on North Sea oil to bail them out for a long time, but now now it's kind of got going or on its way out. We have to find another route, and I think they're going to end up just building a whole load of nuclear power stations alongside the existing ones. That's that looks like it's what's going to happen, and I'm not a huge fan. Tidal seems to work reasonably well, though. Tidal, there's tidal power in the Bristol Channel, and that works pretty well. But there's only so many places you can do tidal, um, so I don't know how many they'll how many they'll do. Scotland would be an obvious place to do tidal. Scottish estuaries. But changing the subject completely, I went to see a. A band last night for the first time in two and a half years. Two and a half years. So that was a, a major, major thing for me. Getting back to normal. My normal life is going to see a a local local covers band or going going to see somebody on either a Friday or Saturday night or a Sunday tea time. And I haven't done it for a couple of years. Simply because we were locked down, but uh, and and now and this was a Nirvana tribute band, so Nirvana, <laughs> who uh, who were pretty good for what they did, what they were doing. So in Newcastle, we've got a a bar called Trillions, which has been there for years. It used to be it used to be called the Ju Jubilee when I was at university. We used to go for lunch there. And the main attraction of, of the Jubilee was that it had a video jukeboxes as the 1980s. Video jukeboxes were a big thing in the 1980s. But there's no video jukebox in there now. They, they've got it very definitely marketed as a rock bar. So there's, there's bands on a Friday night, bands on a Saturday night, and then they've got touring bands come in during the week and they charge admission during the week depending on what what bands 
happening and what 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 they want to charge, how they want to work it. So last night was a free gig, so I went along and had a look. And I like Trillions. Trillions is a basement bar in the centre of Newcastle by the Central Library. It's just off the main shopping street, but it's tucked away. Um, you would, if you didn't know it was there, you would walk past it. But it's a big, big basement bar with a, with a reasonable sized stage. And they're set up for rock, for rock bands, for metal bands, and for, for punk bands, and new wave bands, that type of stuff. And um, in the process of, of watching, watching this band, I bumped into a couple of people that I know in the bar. So I ended up having a long conversation with, with one of my neighbours who was in there. And it turns out that he used to live in the same part of London that I lived in. So I must have been there at the same time as well. But I didn't know him in London. But he was in one bit of Stoke Newington and I was in another bit of Stoke Newington. So I didn't know this about him. I've had a few conversations with him. But not in any kind of depth. But last night we were we were having a beer and watching a band, so it was a bit more kind of it was a bit looser and a bit friendlier. So and it, and he, he studied philosophy. So we had, we ended up having a conversation about Baruch Spinoza and Plato and Nietzsche in in a, in a rock bar watching a watching a Nirvana covers band. So. To me, that's a good that's a good Friday night. It's a, it's a very good Friday night because I get to talk about what I want to talk about, listen to the music I want to listen to, and I've got have a conversation with my neighbours. So, so we're now uh, we're now on good speaking terms, and uh, he's invited me over for for, for a coffee because he wants to keep having the conversation. So, so that's that's a pretty good thing. I think I think the uh, the idea of isolating people and making people frightened is worn off now. Every, there's still people wandering around wearing masks, but uh, and there's a little bit of a, a resurgence in a, a variation of Omicron with some letters and some numbers in it. But nobody really cares that much. Uh, I think maybe that maybe they'll try and bring that back in the in the autumn, but at the moment nobody really cares. Yeah, so that was uh, that was my first my first first live band for a couple of years, and it won't be the last. It won't be the last at all. all right, let's get back to some clips again. As I said, I haven't prepared any of this, so it's it's just uh, as it as it falls. But I'll go with GB News because GB News has always got something reasonably good to say. The idea that this is a crucial six weeks where it could be win or lose, the Ukrainian MP I spoke to said six weeks maybe, but certainly three months. This is a window where it could literally go either way. Is that your sense? I think it's certainly uh, at a critical moment. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that on, on the next uh, few weeks or few months hinges the, the entire conflict. But I, I, I do think this will be a test for the West's political will in actually delivering on the promises that it has made to Ukraine. And it's not just a matter of arming Ukraine and ensuring that Ukraine is able to maintain the fight.
Um, and that means getting the stuff there, not not just declaring you're going to uh, supply them, but also su- supporting the Ukrainian economy. I mean, I was, I was very struck by that. The, the the last item you had about about uh, grain being shipped out to Ukraine, and there's an irony because, of course, Ukraine is one of the world's biggest producers of both grain and of cooking oils, and yet because the Russians are blockading their ports on the Black Sea, um, they're not able to export that that crucial uh, uh, product that they need to earn revenue. Their men are out fighting. They're not making the economy function as they would normally be doing. And so it's up, can be up to us, to Western countries, to support the Ukrainian economy, not just for the next few weeks or months, but I, I rather fear for um, several years to come because I, I, my sort of best sort of guess would be that this war is likely to carry on as a horrible First World War style war of attrition, probably for some years, because I don't see where the compromise is at the moment that both President Zelensky and Putin and his regime uh, can accept as, as, as reasonable. As General, General Saunders raised the issue at, at the speech at your own Rusi, talking about the 1937 moment. Do you on the record now rule out appeasement? Do you say that's wrong? It is about re-equipping, it's about rearming, it's about standing four square with our friends in Ukraine? Yes, I do. I, I mean, th- there will be, and, and President Zelensky has said there will be a time when um, you know, he will want to talk to even Putin, but, uh, but I mean, however difficult that may be, or whoever succeeds him in Russia. But But it's not the time now for allies of Ukraine in the West to be talking about that step. If, if you put yourself in, in, in the shoes of President Zelensky and people around him in Ukraine, they have seen what has happened in those parts of their country that have been occupied by the Russians. Um, murders, um, rapes, uh, cold-blooded killings of civilians. I mean, it appears war crimes on, on, on the face of it. Obviously, nobody's yet been uh, sort of tried and convicted, uh, oh, one man has been, but that, that's all. Um, and, and I can't blame them if they say the last thing we can, we can think about now is actually conceding territory permanently to a country that's going to treat our people in that way. On the other hand, what is also the case is that um, the, uh, the, the Russia, the geography is going to change. Russia is going to be next door to Ukraine in perpetuity. So at some point in the future, um, you know, the Ukrainians will probably say that this is the moment when uh, a deal has to be, be, be struck. But that is, that is not now. That's not now while the Russian forces are committing atrocities in, in, in Ukraine of the kind we've seen just in the last week, the bombing of shopping mall, the, the, the missile attacks on a, a holiday resort down near Odessa. Final one, and it has to be a quick one, for which I apologise. And you know me well enough to know that it's not a gotcha moment. It genuinely isn't. But the Ukrainian MP said that he felt that Johnson's contribution to the defence of Ukraine can be understated. Is the Prime Minister's authority damaged by episodes like the Pincher allegations and his slowness in acting upon that? Or does he rise above it and move forward? 
I think his authority has been damaged by by this episode, as it has been by other other things that have been happening in domestic politics. Um, and I think you could you can believe that that is true at the same time as thinking that on Ukraine he has has exercised both national and international leadership, and he's been doing the right thing. You know, he's done the right thing on Ukraine. There are other things uh, on the domestic front that have gone badly wrong. Welcome to the GB News YouTube channel. You can watch us live. All right, I'm going to switch to Alexander Mercurius now, I think, because he may have something new posted. I'm going to just have a look and see if there's anything in the last day or so. Quite often he posts on a Saturday afternoon. Recently. This one from yesterday, so I'll play that. Play a little, little bit of it, maybe like 10 minutes or so of it. Another day and um, more about the war in Ukraine and about the global consequences thereof. A few things, um, first of all, to clarify about the Battle of Snake Island, or rather um, the Russian withdrawal from Snake Island. Over the last couple of hours, I've been reading all sorts of reports in the Western media about how Ukraine has reportedly recaptured Snake's Island. This is the small piece of rock, uh, less than a kilometre square, um, which um, lies off the coast of Romania. It is actually closer to Romania than it is to Ukraine, to the port of Odessa, but which has become, for some reason, a major point of conflict between Russia and Ukraine over the course of this war. Now, the Russians say that they withdrew from Snakes Island because of ongoing discussions and uh, negotiations involving Turkey. They've been providing more clarifications of this nature um, to try to get um, grain exports unblocked from Ukraine, from Odessa, and they've challenged Ukraine to now start the demining of Odessa. In fact, and in reality, I have no doubt at all that the reason the Russians withdrew from Snakes Island is because it had become undefendable. Keeping troops on Snakes Island was as I have said in my previous programme, increasingly costly in uh, material and potentially in men because the Ukrainians could continuously shell it and transporting ammunition and food by sea and you know all the other equipment that troops uh, holding Snakes, Snakes Island would need was becoming um, dangerous given the extent of Ukrainian artillery strikes. And I said in my previous video that I thought it was a wise tactical decision, preserving the lives of the soldiers, giving up what is a small uninhabited rock in the middle of the sea, which as I'm going to discuss uh, shortly in a program I'm going to do exclusively for locals, in my opinion, has no strategic significance. Well, I want to clarify a further point because these reports about Ukraine recapturing Snakes Island are actually untrue. The Ukrainian Defence Ministry has confirmed that for the moment, 
Ukraine has no plans to station troops there. And the reason the Ukrainians are not going to station troops on Snakes Island is exactly the same as the reason that the Russians withdrew from Snakes Island. Snakes Island is undefendable, whoever occupies it. If the Ukrainians were to send troops to Snakes Island, they too would become the target of shelling and missile attacks by the Russian fleet, which dominates the seas in this area, but also from Russian missile blast batteries, including supersonic anti-ship missile batteries located in Crimea. When the Ukrainians tried to recapture Snakes Island back in the beginning of the first week of May, actually attempting to deploy troops to the island, their helicopters were quickly shot down by these Russian missiles and the Ukrainians had to pull back in great hurry and several of their ships were destroyed and several of their uh, and lots of their drones were lost. It proved a costly mistake and for the moment at least they don't seem to be minded to repeat it. So the current position with respect to Sakes Island is that it is deserted. Neither side is occupying it. It has moved into what both the Russians and the Ukrainians call the grey zone. In other words, it is territory in no man's land between the two. Anyway, that's enough about Snakes Island. The big battles remain in and around Lysychansk. And we have had more clarity now about Russian tactics and strategy around Lysychansk. They have focused not so much on trying to storm the city itself, but at clo closing the trap. Um, around the Ukrainian troops still stationed in the city, troops that um, have been trying to escape around down country roads, some of which, by the way, are dirt roads, um, but the, the Russians are systematically capturing settlements and closing even these escape routes. And by the way, at the same time that they're doing that, uh, one hears that the Russian military is still carrying out sweeping operations on the east bank of the Seversky Donetsk River. That's on the Severodonetsk side of the Seversky Donetsk River as they are rounding up uh, stragglers and Ukrainian small groups of Ukrainian soldiers left over from the Battle of Severodonetsk. They have no place to go to escape back to Ukrainian lines. Some of them apparently are hiding in the woods. A few of them are hiding apparently in country houses or dachas in this area. And the Russians are carrying out a systematic sweep to try to locate them all. And I gather that this is also to some extent in, or, already happening in the countryside west of Lysychansk in this area which the Russians are now in the process of capturing. As I have said many times, the uh, priority for the Russians is not the capture of cities, it is the destruction of the Ukrainian army. And the priority at the moment, where Lysychansk is concerned, is not so much to storm and capture the city, something which I suspect the Russians could now do, without too much difficulty. 
It is to trap the Ukrainian troops, apparently 78,000 men who have been defending it, to put them in a boiler, as or cauldron as it's called, and to force them to surrender. And that is, it seems, what the Russians are doing. And they seem to be getting increasingly successful in achieving it. Now, I would say that for the first time, there's been a long article about the Battle of Severodonetsk in the London Times. And it has actually, for the first time, in contained implied criticism of the Ukrainian command. It, um, we have uh, Ukrainian soldiers who fought in Severodonetsk um, openly criticizing their commanders and their decision to stand and fight in Severodonetsk. And one Ukrainian soldier who goes by the um, name of Vortex um, actually says that one particular um, general, Ukrainian general, urged the withdrawal from Severodonetsk when it was still possible, but that he was simply sacked for even discussing the possibility. And the, there is increasing admissions from um, various Ukrainian soldiers and other people interviewed by the London Times that the Ukrainians have suffered massive losses trying to cling on to Severodonetsk and now to Lysychansk. And um, there's even the first hint that Ukraine is understating the level of its combat losses. There's um, a discussion with a member of a Ukrainian NGO who says that she and her um, people have a pretty shrewd idea of how many people are actually being killed every particular day. She didn't give the number, but she made it pretty clear that the morgues are full and that they are greater than the Ukraine, Ukraine is admitting to. Now that, bear in mind, comes after an admission some weeks ago by one of President Zelensky's top advisers that Ukraine is suffering losses in the range of two to 500 men killed in Donbass every single day. Now, there's been more about the war now appearing in the Western media. There's even a report on Business Insider, of all places, which says that Ukraine has lost more men in the war in, Dom in Ukraine um, in three months than the British Army has infantry. Now, I think that's probably true. Um, I would say that the British Army, um, as an infantry force, has been um, slowly declining, or actually rapidly declining for some time. So perhaps that's not so surprising. But perhaps it gives some sense of perspective as to the military catastrophe that is taking place in Donbass. And I've also been reading an increasing number of articles in the Western media about the G7 and NATO summit meetings. And I'm actually starting to get a sense of disappointment. Um, 
I think there were expectations that much more was going to be announced and that there was going to be some dramatic shift in the power balance. There's lots of talk about the need, the necessity of deploying extra forces, extra weapons to Ukraine. Nobody in the media seems to grasp that it's one thing to provide weapons. It's another thing to keep those weapons supplied. It's another thing still to train the Ukrainians to use them. And quite apart from anything else, as I've discussed already, there are um, analytical articles like the one I discussed recently, published by the Royal United Services Institute in Britain, which question whether the Western powers are in fact in a position to provide weapons on anything like the scale that Ukraine says it needs, that the logistical and industrial effort is beyond the capacity of the Western powers today, something which perhaps Western leaders struggle to understand, uh, um, and that in fact, in terms of ammunition and weapon systems, they will always be surpassed by the Russians in this kind of war. All right, that's all. That's about 10, 12 minutes, almost exactly 12 minutes, of um, Alexander Mercurius. He posts um, updates almost every day, sometimes a couple of things a day. Uh, the other guy who's involved in the Duran is a guy called Alex Christoforo. Let's have a, a look and see if he's posted anything today. He normally is posting from Greece, so it's normally early morning. So there's probably something, yeah, there's something from a couple of hours ago, so we've got five minutes. I think I'll leave that for the time being. What I'll, what I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll post a link to the channel so you can, you can listen to that if you want to listen to it later on. I'll maybe play a couple of minutes of it. Some of the American press will remember when I got a phone call from the leader of Finland saying, could he come and see me? And he came the next day and said, will you support my joining, my country joining NATO? We got on the telephone. He suggested we call the leader of, of Switzerland. Switzerland, my good, my goodness. I'm, I'm getting really anxious here about expanding NATO. Of Sweden. And what happened was we got on the phone and she asked if she could come the next day to want to talk about joining NATO. Good morning from Athens, Greece. It is around 9.10 on this Saturday morning. I am here in uh, downtown Athens at the Metropolitan Church, Metropolios, Church and Square near Monastiraki is down that way, and uh, the main Sindagma, the main center square is up. Up that way, Blaka, the shopping area is to my right. So let's uh, let's talk about Biden, <laughs> Bidenopolis, since we're in Greece. Let's discuss Joe Bidenopolis, and uh, he mixed up Sweden and uh, Switzerland. There, no biggie. I think it's all part of the the uh, the game now with Bidenopolis. But uh, there was a poll out on the hill where they uh they came out with some really interesting results 29 percent of those people polled according to the hill 
want to see Biden run in 2024. While 71%, let me pull up that number here, 71% of the respondents oppose Biden trying for a second term. There's 29% of Americans that actually that actually want Biden to run again. I can't believe it's that high. I can't believe There you go. So Alex Christoporu, as I said, he's based in Greece. And he posts at about 8, 8.30 or 9 o'clock Greek time every morning, which means it's about, what's that work out in UK time? That's about 7 o'clock or something. I think there's a couple of hours difference. Uh, but his, his reports and they're on Bitchute and they're on Rumble and Odyssey. So there's plenty of places to find him. Uh, so we were talking earlier on about, about doing radio shows out and about and I'm potentially going to do a show from from Gay Pride in Newcastle in a couple of weeks' time. Saturday the 23rd of July, we've got a Pride Festival going on. It's a national Pride Festival, although the lineup isn't particularly good. The high point seems to be uh, Mel- Melanie C. from the Spice Girls doing a DJ set. So I'm not really... Oh, and Joe McKelvey on the Sunday. Those are the people that are headlining. So I'm not particularly impressed with that as a lineup, and I'm not all that bothered about being there but I've been to a couple of them and sometimes they can be they can be fun I used to go to pride the pride festivals when I was in London so but the headline acts were a lot better in the 90s than they are now I don't know what's going on I saw Alison Moyer at a gay pride festival one year headline and there was about must have been about 30,000 people in Victoria Park in Hackney. And it was a good gig. It was a very good gig. Good atmosphere. Nobody stressing out. Everybody just there having a good time. I used to go with, with a lot of, lot of my straight friends. I went down to Clapham Common one year. And I had to make a choice between... Uh, who was it? Who on earth was it? There was, somebody, there was somebody playing in Finsbury Park that year that I wanted to go and see. Kiss. It was a, it was a, a Kiss show at Finsbury Park or Gay Pride at Clapham Common. And I went to Gay Pride. I should probably have gone to see Kiss instead. But you, you, kind of, you work these things out as you go along. Well, I went, went with a group of about eight or nine people that year. I don't normally go in a group. I normally just do the, do the, the march. Like I like I like doing the, the march more than the more than the shows at the other end. It's more about it's more about standing up to be counted and more about just recognizing who people are. And it was it used to be a political thing the gay pride march. Now it's just a big party really. So it's changed over the years. So anyway. The, the point of the, the point of the story is that uh, the national pride, national gay pride is in Newcastle in three weeks' time. So if I can work out a place to do a show for, I'll go. To, I'll, I'll go. It's in Exhibition Park in Newcastle, which is just outside of Newcastle city centre. So it's walking distance from where I am. 
if I can find a place up there where I can get a, a reasonable Wi-Fi signal, or if I can get, if I can do a, a hotspot on my phone, then there's potential for me going up there. I'm just doing a show from Gay Pride. But I don't know yet. I'll, I'll have to go and check out the Wyland Breweries up there, so, and there's a cafe up there. So both of those places should have decent Wi-Fi. I'll have to go and check them out beforehand, but I've got three weeks to organise it, so... It may happen that way, or, or it may not. I haven't decided yet. But, all right, either way, Revolution Radio is listener supported. And uh, if you want to support the people who are doing shows and the, pe- the people who run the tech, then you can do that individually. But the, the money that goes to the station pays for the station. Uh, you, can, you can make a donation at revolution.radio or freedomslips.com. Uh, there's a way to do that monthly or to make a one-off donation. Um, we appreciate all the help we can, we can get to keep things running. And uh, yeah, you can find me online in various places. I've already spoken about Podbean being one of them. Uh, I'm on iTunes as well now. I noticed that. And there's some music, so that's the end of the show. And I'll see you again next week from the railway station again. Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Hi, I'm Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. Are you interested in the paranormal? Murder mystery? Real natural law? Do you enjoy interviews with amazing guests? Then join Crypt Rick every Monday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Revolution Radio. Studio A, freedomslips.com. Crypt Rick's iPhone, thank you. Welcome to the Crypt. <laughs> what the heck is the truth, Jihad? Hey, I'm Kevin Barrett, host of 